Windmill 347 to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Keith. I'm Jason. Thank you very much for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the Power of the Dalek Special Edition Blu-ray. Um, but before that, we've just got time to talk about your new YouTube channel that you've just launched, Jason. Ah, yes, uh, Bearded Geek Toy Reviews. Excellent. I enjoyed the episode on the uh, the Patrick Troughton War Games TARDIS. Yeah, with the uh, extra special effects at the beginning of the TARDIS materialising. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent production values. I've been running a YouTube channel for my um, young lad. Uh, he's had one for about a year, you know, where he, he just he comes up with ideas. We go Nerf, um, you know, fighting with Nerf guns. Um, we do jelly bean challenges and stuff like that. And then it, I, I was, um, I think it was whilst I was furloughed, I was kind of like clearing out my geek room and dusting off, and I just realised how much stuff I had. And then stuff comes out and I buy it and I'm just thinking well I watch people review it and open boxes up and they seem to get lots of views and stuff so I thought well why not Let, let's let's launch one let's see how it goes let's try one and just so happened it coincided with the release of the new B&M uh, Doctor Who figures so they were the first videos to go up Brilliant. I'm liking your outtakes at the end of the episode yeah <laughs> I thought it's, it's a nice little thing just to put at the end, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I like that. Uh, did you get the recent Jungles of Mechanus Dalek set? It is yeah. on its way. Yeah, so I expect a video on that one soon. Brilliant. Uh, and have you got that as well, Keith? I have, yes. I'm uh, adding it to my uh, chase tableau as we speak. Brilliant. And I think I've seen today they sold out already, so... Um, so that's good news. Hopefully we'll get some more um, online exclusive sets like that. Well, let's hope so, because I think, what, what was it, five or 6,000 that they produced and literally it's gone in the space of like about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's much easier than going to B&M Bargains, isn't it, if you can just uh, just pre-order them like that. Well, it's I still have them. Though, isn't it? <laughs> It's the thrill of going to your B&Ms and seeing have they finally got the new releases <laughs> in stock and then, no, I'll tell you what, I'll just go up the road to the next store and see if they've got them there and then the disappointment that they haven't stocked the shelves yet and then, you know, you're constantly, like, thinking, when are they going to put them out? When are they going to put them out? I got all the last ones off eBay. I've let the scalpers risk their lives instead of mine. Ah, that's a very good decision. I thought it. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, Keith, but here in Carlisle we're getting a fourth B&M bargain soon. So we'll bring it. Yeah, no, it's, it's just what we need, isn't it? We're going to spend our entire life just checking and texting <laughs> each other about what's not in the Well, the new one's near where, where I work, where my office is as well, so that might be, that might be a bit handier, actually. <laughs> That's not too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Praise you. He goes into a lot of B&Ms. We'll just uh, build it near him. Yeah. yeah but, uh, and I'm really handy for Asda as well, which is great for the vinyls. So uh, if, uh, <laughs> if I'm ever back in the office, uh, I can uh, I can sort everything out on my lunch breaks. Uh, and Keith, you've been um, undergoing a rewatch of Doctor Who from the very beginning. You've now reached the Matt Smith era. I have, yes. Yeah. 
it's it slowed down slightly. Now life is getting slightly more back to normal. But, uh, yeah, I started at the beginning of lockdown with uh, William Hartnell. I've literally now just started Matt Smith's first year. So seen a few of those now. So, yeah, it's uh, I have to say I've really enjoyed it. Um, I was amazed how much I really loved watching RTD's era again. Mm. And I think it was like the series was like... Uh, Possibly at one of its high peaks then, so no, that was excellent. Any, has it particularly changed your opinion of any eras or stories or, or any major epiphanies? No, I remain resolute in my bigotry, so I still think uh, season 18 is boring. I still think most of uh, Poetry's six parties are too long. <laughs> I'm still not a huge fan of Paradise Towers, and I still think Troughton is remarkable. And Colin Baker remains the best doctor. Well, of course, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I remember your uh, early um, avatars was uh, the Colin Baker figures uh, that you had. <laughs> oh, good for me, that's going back a bit, yeah, before yeah. I'm brave enough to put my own face on. Yeah. So, I mean, just whilst you, like, you started in lockdown, and how long did, uh, how many, like, episodes were you watching a day did it get to? Uh, I mean, it was sort of like it sometimes, I mean, Insomnia has always been a, a great thing with me as well. So I was literally watching uh, like 14, 15 episodes a day at one point. But uh, wow. that has considerably curtailed now. So it's kind of like an episode a day or maybe a couple now. So it's uh, yeah. really wound down. I, I tried to watch a story at a time. So now you've got single episode stories. That sort of like helps to uh, reduce the time. Yeah, it's more compact and more digestible, isn't it? In its, like, in its current format. Um, I've always wanted to do it. So I'm quite glad I have. Yeah, uh, it's something I've always thought about doing, but I've never kind of like just dived in. I think that's probably the first thing that you should do. Just like, do you know what? Just start from the beginning and see how long it takes you. Well, last time I did it was about 15 years ago, and I, I was also adding all the big finishes in between the episodes as well. <laughs> oh, wow. I kind of realised if I tried to do that now, I simply would not live long enough. So. <laughs> yeah. It's had to be purely television. Yeah, I've never done that either. Um, I. I I keep meaning to, but then you sort of listen to a podcast or something and they talk about an episode and you think, oh yeah, I haven't watched that for ages and pull that one out. But um, yeah, at some point I'd, I'd definitely like to do that. Maybe I'll wait for all the animations though now. I've been quite actually watching it as well because I have to say, I put, like when the DVDs came out, I kind of watched, because I'm so familiar with a lot of the stories, I would simply watch them with the commentary on and not actually sit down and watch the stories themselves. It's been quite nice just to sit down and watch the episodes as they were intended. Mm. Although I have sort of like been a bit naughty, I've watched sort of like uh, new special effects on some of them and uh, things like uh, Galaxy 4, I watched the uh, the truncated version from the Aztecs and that kind of thing. But uh, it's been, so, I've really enjoyed myself, it's been great. So with the, the missing stories, did you, if it wasn't animated, were you doing the loose canon like versions or were you doing Pretty much 90% audio? of them you could actually find on YouTube, I mean, I've got yeah. them all on CD, but a lot of them, some people have like, there's a couple of folks who've done like their own animations, and some of them are remarkably bizarre. That that actually made like quite dull stories quite entertaining. So, uh, like Space Pirates, I actually really, really enjoy because the, uh, the strange animations people have put together, and you have to watch them quickly because they get seem to get taken down as quickly as they go up. But uh, the missing stories, I watched, uh, I pretty much watched most of them. There's only a few of them had to rely purely on um, the CDs for. Yeah. And was the I, was the new Power sorry. of the Daleks out in time 
for for the rewatch, or is that something you've gone back to now? No, I watched the um, the original uh, animation, which is now how many like, years ago? Is it about ooh, four years? I think two thousand sixteen. No, no, I watched that one. So two thousand and sixteen. Uh, now. Now replaced with the uh, the special edition that we're going to talk about today. So leaving the uh, leaving that the uh, steelbook from 2016 attractive but obsolete, like Pretamonja. <laughs> <laughs> so we the three of us got together on a podcast a little while ago and talked about recasting the existing Doctors. Um, oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about was how the first Doctor is maybe the one that various Doctor Who production teams have been the most comfortable recasting with uh, with the five Doctors and then, and then twice upon a time. And what occurred to me watching this this time is it, it's sort of remarkable that they, they didn't just do something like that, like they'd done with Quatermass a couple of times by this stage, mm. and just cast somebody in the same vein and, and stick with that sort of archetype. Um, it's, you know, it's not only Patrick Trout being a brilliant actor, I think, that ensured the longevity, but just that kind of bold move to completely rewrite the character at the same time, which you know allows anybody to play it in a in a different way. I think um, it, it wouldn't have had that longevity, really, would it, if, um, if they hadn't made that decision? Yeah, I, th- I think as much as Doctor Who fans go on about how groundbreaking it was to change the actor, you know, it was something that was quite common. You know, there'd been God knows how many Sherlock Holmes, like you know, mm-hmm. and Robin Hoods on on even you know television because it was a fairly new format. Patrick Child was a, was a, an early Robin Hood, you know, because one of his episodes on the this Blu-ray set. Um, so it it wasn't unique, you know. Actors in soap operas have been recast um, and in film, um, but I think the difference that the Doctor Who production team did at the time is that they, rather than just not mentioning at all that it's portrayed by a completely different actor who might give his different take on the character, they actually embraced that and decided to make him a completely new character and a completely new Doctor, something that hadn't really been done previously with other recastings. And it was an actor genius that basically made the show eternal as well, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. Doing that basically means it can theoretically go on forever now. There was a really good point that I saw um, the writer James Curay Smith make on Twitter a while ago um, that, I, that I hadn't thought about before. Is watching the power of the Daleks now after the Moffat era, it, it puts a different light on the way. He starts referring to the Doctor in the third person, you know, when he says the Doctor kept a diary, didn't he, and that type of thing. It's as though the character is now sort of deciding whether to continue with that mantle of the Doctor, the, you know, the name that he chose for himself and the, uh, you know, the promise and everything, um, yeah. rather than, you know, the, the sort of like not quite settled into who he is. It's almost like, does this Time Lord continue to, uh, continue to play that role? Um, and he's sort of weighing that up, which uh, watching it again, having read that, I thought, yeah, that, that totally fits with that. Um, it's got like retrospective continuity type thing, isn't it? Well, if you follow the um, last series, it's not the first time it's regenerated anymore, is it? So maybe it's uh, well, yeah. not quite as unique as once it was. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, perhaps like with uh, some people, it probably takes away the specialness of it. But like you say, with 
with second doctor it is kind of like as much as we say like the doctor was kind of like defined by the first doctor with you know he grows as a character from so like an unearthly child where he's about to bash like you know a caveman's head in with a skull and then becomes like the reluctant hero doesn't he and changes and and mellows um so by the time you get to a dalek invasion of earth he's then the one encouraging the humans to take on the daleks and say we must defeat them and then you see that progression even more with Troughton's doctor because you know he says there are evil things in the universe that must be fought you know uh, in the moon base so and, and then that continues through there until it kind of like solidifies the character of the doctor with uh, Troughton's version yeah definitely and it's interesting how the uh you know the the writing and the performance doesn't doesn't reassure the viewer or ben and polly to begin with does it that that it is the same person i i like that element of it that he uh he keep he keeps that that mystery he, he doesn't really commit to anything um and then you know the first thing he does when he uh when they arrive on the planet vulcan is to assume the identity of the of the dead examiner um which means that he, he he doesn't have to introduce himself to any of the new characters as the Doctor. He says he's the examiner. Um, and also from Ben and Polly's point of view, well, I think, well, he's, he's very quick to assume somebody else's identity. It's, um, did he do away with the original Doctor and, and, and done this as well? In fact, the first people that seem to recognise him, for sure, are the Daleks, which is rather marvellous. Yeah. yeah. It is strange how... They thought it would be a good idea to try and alienate both the audience and the companions from the start. I mean, it's great to watch now, but you think in retrospect, was that quite a sensible idea? Because there's, um, there's a bit of reticence, the, the, um, this like, audience uh, reaction things uh, recorded where people were very reluctant to uh, accept the new Doctor, and yet the production team seemed to go out of the way to like, make it as uh, hard for the audience as possible. Yeah, it's almost as if like they kind of like did it like when you know uh, like Colin Baker came in and they decided to go like let's make this character slightly unlikable, more alien like than he's been for quite some time, and put the audience on the back foot. And obviously with Colin Baker's era, he kind of like with JNT's ideas that he had, it didn't quite come off. And then to try it again with Capaldi, and I thought it worked a lot better with Capaldi, very much as it did with with Troughton. Well, the audience figures back that up, I will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the power of the Daleks audience figures. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, the Daleks yeah. did very well, yes, but uh, I'm not sure the Capaldi figures are quite maintained. Yeah. Well, it's probably when the iPlayer was, was, uh, was, was taken off and things quite heavily as well, isn't it? It's not always... Um sort of a direct comparison, is it? Well, I mean, you see programmes now which are held as this massive success and they're getting like four and five million views within like a few years ago. That was distinctly average, wasn't it? I mean, mm. I think these days just viewing figures are just going to be negligible. Yeah, did I see something on Twitter the other day where it said um, that is it EastEnders has just, just come back, hasn't it? It's, it's been out of production during the pandemic and that the last series of Doctor Who, um, all the episodes got more viewing figures than... The new episodes of EastEnders. Um, I saw somebody tweeting that. I think it's somebody credible, um, which I thought that was yeah, quite interesting because well, yeah. you I think it was Lizzo um, Mumbai, isn't it? Who um, is the entertainment uh, reporter for the BBC? I think it was mm. three and a half million 
EastEnders got coming back, which is, you know, 10 years ago, that would be cancellation uh, figures, really, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but EastEnders fans probably aren't poring over the uh, the viewing figures and <laughs> and the AI like uh, like Doctor Who fans do. Yeah, Walford Base going into meltdown <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> You hardly ever see any Ian Bill figures in B&M bargains either, do you? Because <laughs> <laughs> the scalpers get their first, that's why. <laughs> I would say no to a dot com action figure. <laughs> You'd have to review it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd make a special video just for you, Keith. Oh, cheers. Well, a dot cotton video, though, you could uh, you could put with a Time Warrior set, couldn't you? You could, yeah, yeah, with the uh, the exclusive Pertwee set with the links and the Santara and shit. Yeah. Well, they've got a uh, Marcus Garman action figure, so while they haven't done a Bregan one, I'll never know because it's essentially the same face, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very simplistic costumes. It'd be quite easy to not one of those. Hmm. There aren't. Are there any figures from missing episodes? I can't think that there are. Are they? Hmm. And I think recent uh, sales at B&M has shown that we'll pretty much buy everything put before us. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I think a break will probably go quite well. <laughs> Especially if it was like in a darling pack or something. So another thing I thought, um, this is the first time I've watched Power of the Daleks since I saw the, the restored Quatermass and the Pit that they showed on BBC4, was it uh, last year or the year before? Um, it felt like that was a real influence on this story um, the you know the capsule kind of being recovered. Um, the the, stuff the like, point where something drops down when they go in and makes them jump. Yeah, yeah. The the whole thing the about the drops down and the sting plunger drops down, doesn't it? Yeah, um, and, and 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 the sort of finding of the apparent well, the apparently dead aliens in in this case. Um, so uh, so yeah, I thought that that was interesting. That and even the shape of it is is vaguely reminiscent, isn't it? And I think Quatermass has a big influence on Doctor Who, probably more than we realise. Mm. I mean, the demons is basically Quatermass in the pit, isn't it? Most yeah, of well, yeah. space is Quatermass too, so. It's a prototype Doctor Who story, really, isn't it? Quatermass 2. And, you know, Quatermass, the Quatermass experiment, the first one, you know, a, an astronaut comes down to Earth infected, he's, you know, effectively. Um, the plot line to Ambassadors of Death, but, you know, they mm. just put added um, bank robberies in there as well. And they slowly turn into a monster, which is basically the whole hinge clip here. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so what do we think of the uh, of the animation itself here in, in terms of, uh, was it much an improvement on the, the 2016 version? To be quite honest, when I watched it again, I didn't really notice <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I did obviously come, I, I then had to look it up on YouTube just to see, like, you know, what changes were done. And then I was actually staggered to see that quite a lot of the backgrounds, a lot of the detail and shadowing on, on the characters was changed. And so, I mean, I must admit, I probably haven't watched the first release of Power of the Daleks since probably when I ordered the the steelbook after getting the DVD. So I think that was Christmas 2016. 
probably not really watched it since then. So, you know, that's like kind of three years, three years or more, isn't it, since then? So at first I was kind of like looking, going, what have they changed really? So, but I mean, when you look at the differences, then they do really stand out. Some wit on Twitter called it reanimation of the Daleks, which I quite like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the same. I, I hadn't watched it since the since the Steelbook came out. So I um, rather than, <laughs> rather than watch it again, I, I, I hit YouTube as well uh, to see the differences. And then the article in the Doctor Who magazine as well sort of points out it's, it's a lot of episode one, isn't it? And um, a lot yeah. of stuff you find on YouTube is the Tardis set stuff. Um, and it's like the the roundels are, are dark instead of instead of glowing and white, um, and it, it's, it's incredibly gloomy. Just, uh, <laughs> um, and it's just it's a, it's a bit more subtle, isn't it? I think the original is a bit more just sort of like um, I mean, without the it is in black and white, but it's a bit more black and white without the shades of grey that the later one has. It's uh, it seems to be softened a little bit in that way. Yeah, I have yeah. to say I prefer the original. You did? Yeah. I do. Um, it, the new one feels a bit cheap. They haven't done like the checks on Troughton's trousers. They're sort of like, the console ring looks incredibly dark. I mean, Lester's and when he gets shot, he sort of like does his little dance now before he just slumped against the wall. Now he sort of like does every gesture on the planet before he sort of like keels <laughs> over. <laughs> and it just feels very dark. <laughs> I think I prefer the sort of the light, sort of breezy... Um, Maybe not as subtle, but probably um, I don't know a bit more, um, a bit more fun version. The original version. I think they tried to be too uh, subtle. So. Mm. I uh, did see. Uh, I did think the character movement was a lot better, though. Uh, you know, the, the original animation, as good as it is, obviously they're limited with the budget, and sometimes the characters do move a bit to what I would describe as Thunderbird puppets when they're being mm. animated. And I thought that was a lot softer with this new version. I didn't mind that though, bizarrely. I don't know why. Just uh, maybe it's just the fan instinct of going. It's not as good as it used to be. But uh, <laughs> especially, cons- especially the console room, I found that. I thought, why just make it so dark? I slightly presented the fact they probably spent money on doing this, which they could have spent on doing other things. I mean, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that initial animation. Maybe in a bit rushed, but we knew why, and I think we could appreciate. The reason why it had to get it done so quickly to meet that um, broadcast deadline, but um, they could have spent the money on this on something else, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I suppose what they could have done is um, save this special edition for the eventual season four Blu-ray box set, you know, and then, like you said, move the funds towards like, you know, making sure the forthcoming Evil of the Daleks is as good as it can be with like its animation. So is that definite now? Yeah, it's been announced, yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so it's Evil of the Daleks and the Abominable Snowmen next year, isn't it? Which um, yeah. I'm pleased we're getting two next year as well. If that becomes a regular thing, then that's going to uh, fill some of the gaps on the shelves even quicker. Well, we'll have a full uh, Troughton uh, era before long, the way they're carrying on. I mean, generally, a few years ago, could you ever, ever imagine that would ever happen? No, no. no. I mean, I remember... It seemed impossible, didn't it? Yeah, when Power of the Daleks came out and I got the DVD rather than the Blu-ray because obviously I had the Doctor Who Blu-rays on the shelf and just slotting that in between the 10th planet and the underwater menace, which had 
been the last Triton release and last regular DVD release, I think, mm. was just like, wow, you know, there's a little gap there that's no longer missing. And, of course, Fury from the Deep came out this week. It did, yeah. yeah. I've not got that one yet. Oh, I have. I have to say, during the rewatch, I wasn't. I thought, oh, God, this is a bit boring. But the animation actually really perks it up no end. It's, it is really good. Brilliant. I've got it. I haven't watched it yet. I was, um, I've, I've only just finished uh, watching uh, Power of the Daleks uh, last <laughs> night. So, uh, so. Fury from the Deeps next for me. I did, um, I messaged you guys, um, find one of the Easter eggs on the disc uh, last night, um, which I think is the first time I've ever found an Easter egg on a DVD without being told where it is. Um, so this is, if you go, uh, if you put in the first disc and then go along to special features and select animation gallery and use the right arrow from there, there's a short deleted scene from episode one, um, which was from the original animation. And it's a post-regeneration scene in the TARDIS where the Doctor's still acting a, a bit crazy. So I think, Keith, you said you didn't see why they cut this? No, because I'm obviously not very um, discerning on these things. It didn't look any different. <laughs> that looked fine to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, it comes up with a couple of captions explaining why they they've taken it out saying like well we don't think we animated the fingers on his recorder good enough and we don't think we matched his his feet in time with the tapping and the jigging and it's like mm. really don't care it's a nice little scene of the second doctor playing his recorder for the first time and you've took it out for, for no reason when you've animated it perfectly well yeah because i think you really quickly get used to an animation style don't you and you know, even if even the original one, like it, it was a little bit jerky and things like that. Like you say, the um, the movements of the body are, are better and stuff in the new one. But you just sort of go with it after a while. By the time you've watched six episodes of it, I don't think you're um, you just kind of you know in that kind of groove, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, as much as I can, like say, like the characters move a little bit like Thunderbird puppets. You know, in some some of the scenes, like you say, you get used to it. But you, if that's the style of animation they're going for, you accept it and. You know, Power of the Daleks is such a good story anyway that you kind of like forget about the style of the animation and you just get sucked into the story itself. Strangely, they've kept the same commentary though. So the, the commentary is sort of commenting on things like the movement of the figures and the, how hard it was to do the Doctor's check trousers and stuff, and they're not there anymore. So that seems a bit bizarre. Yeah. Right. So the other um, big find as well since the 2016 one is this big haul of colour photos, isn't it, which they're able to use um, use on this disc. And we get a nice new documentary, the the uh, script-to-screen documentary. Oh, that's excellent, yeah. Oh, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, Featuring, I love that. Um, fusion from uh, Seeds of Death and a uh, bit of rehearsal footage as well. Yeah, Toby Hadoki seems to be like the um, the go-to guy now, doesn't he, for the uh, new documentaries that are being produced. Mm. And he, he's a great host and he's a great um, kind of like, you know, takes you through uh, the progression of how they made the show. He was at uh, Warp when, uh, last year, well, it would be last year, and um, he was a fairly marvellous person then as well. Mm. And award-winning now, because apparently the uh, Doctor Who cookbook things won a, won a gong and... Um, some um, um, sort of like awards uh, ceremony. 
Well, mm. he's used to winning the war. He did things like country bar. His stand up, um, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, Moffs at my Doctor Who Scarf, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes. That he became famous for. I remember seeing him uh, perform that, and that was a, a winner of some awards at the Edinburgh Fringe and other comedy festivals, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, the 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 award that the um, the cookbook one won, I think, is the Royal Television Society. How oh, good! Um, yeah, I I saw um, talking about his stand-up show. He did a follow-up one called "My Stepson Stole My Sonic Screwdriver." Um, which uh, I saw a few years ago, and that was excellent as well. Really good. Yeah, he's he's excellent, isn't he? Um, and just when he uh, uh, compares the commentaries as well, he's just just got such an amazing memory for, for especially for actors' names and and, and uh, production staff. Uh, he can just recall it all so quickly. And it's really adorable the way he sort of like politely corrects people when they remember things wrong as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very sort of. Uh, Subtle the way he does it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting um, on the commentary. I, I'd never heard the story before that it was um, Annika Wills that came up with Troughton's sort of Beatles-style hairdo for the Doctor. Because apparently it was going to wear a wig originally. Mm. Well, originally he wanted to black up, didn't he? Oh, oh my goodness, can you imagine? <laughs> like three years now, which happened be like persona non grata wouldn't it, it would be well yeah terrible, they, but they would definitely be white and not reanimated yeah. <laughs> it would be tricky definitely yeah so that that was uh, that was good on that documentary i thought the um because there was some footage of him in uh, not some footage but some audio of interviews where he's talking about that um it was a slightly different style to other documentaries in that sense wasn't it they'd um where they'd found various interviews and I think some of them from, from conventions as well. And uh, so you've got that overlaid with with the photos and, and the footage. And I think it was all made in lockdown as well. I think it was in Doctor Who magazine I was reading. The the footage of the, the church hall, which was where they used to rehearse, um, the vicar filmed that on his iPhone for them. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you never know. It looks. Um, I thought it looked, it looked pretty professional. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing they're still pulling this stuff off while uh, while the country's been in lockdown. I think. Well, let's hope that they're still producing the features for the um, the Blu-ray box sets because we've not had an announcement of one of those. Uh, the uh, commentary yeah. on the uh, Fury from the Deep they've all said was recorded in lockdown. So. Oh yeah. right, and the sound quality is not particularly different. Yeah. Well, they have announced, I think, that they, they are back in production on the Blu-rays, aren't they? I think um, Chris Chapman and Mark Ayres and different people said that they are uh, they're, they're back at work. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Eager to find out what the next release is. Yeah, there's all sorts of rumours, aren't there? But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. But the uh, I know that one thing that Chris Chapman did say at Warp last year was that they would basically probably alternate between 70s and 80s releases um, so having got a 70s release last time it probably something from, from the 80s next time that puts to bed the rumours of uh, one of the next box sets being a Hartnell release then because uh, it was rumoured season 1 or season 2 might be getting a release oh really? I hadn't heard that one especially season 2 because they really only have to do like 2 episodes for that don't they? To yeah the 2 missing Crusaders ones isn't it? yeah we're not back in HD. 
I did like the little um, special feature of Mike Tucker uh, recreating the the model scene of the Daleks on the production bell. Yeah. But they're slotting into the reconstruction now, aren't they? Just to uh, well, make yeah. that go on a bit longer. Mm. I did think you missed an opportunity by not doing it with the character options uh, figures instead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that was quite funny, wasn't it? Saying that the um, at the time they could just go and buy these from Woolworths for for a few pence, um, but now they're <laughs> collectors' items that you can't get hold of. So, uh, so they had to to get an original and then make molds of it. Yeah, and then obviously they used the uh, eighteen inch uh, remote control Daleks, didn't they, for some of the model scenes in uh, Day of the Doctor, which it showed a picture of him um, filming as well. Yeah. Great when they uh, in the modern ones when they still use models, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> it's quite heartening, really. Yeah. Well, like he says, it's the most cost-effective way of doing it, isn't it? Mm. I love that bit in Day of the Doctor where the uh, the, the wall blows out and the, uh, the the Daleks blow up, and there's a, just a split second where you can see a Dalek creature. A little squid flying past. Yeah, it <laughs> just flies past. Um, I never got to see it in 3D, and I always wondered whether that was something that was. Um, that in 3D would uh, would sort of fly out the screen or anything? Oh, I did. Um, I remember I had tickets for the the later showing because it was so popular um, and the showings were selling out. They were actually putting on showings after it had been broadcast on that Saturday evening. But I remember watching it as broadcast in my living room and then literally as soon as it finished, yeah. got in the car, <laughs> drove straight down to my local cinema and started queuing up to get to see it again straight away, um, but the free, yeah, I was really impressed with the 3D um, for the 50th anniversary. It was it it was really good on the big screen. I saw it at uh, Carlisle Cinema for the uh, first broadcast. Oh. We also raced back to try and catch the uh, the, the next show. Look, I didn't live too far from the picture, so it was uh, didn't take too long. And when we were coming out, we were sort of like giving false spoilers. Saying, oh, the bit with the Ice Warriors was really good and stuff like that. <laughs> it's really courtesy they'll have all watched it before they went. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit pointless, but uh, we had great fun sort of inventing things on the way out. Yeah. Other slightly meaner people were giving proper spoilers on the way out, which was, seemed a bit cruel, saying, oh, Tom Baker's yeah, But uh, hmm. we didn't. Well, I remember, like, obviously it had already been broadcast for that, when I went down for the, like, the 10 to 10 showing or whatever it was but obviously some people had kept spoiler free and then when tom baker like came as the curator there was a huge gasp like in the audience because obviously some people had like gone completely spoiler free Mm. stayed off twitter stayed off facebook and they were like wow you know like there's tom baker suddenly i'd been spoiled so it was really um upsetting i've never actually got to uh, witness that uh, unspoiled because the Tom Baker had actually said so to somebody and they just sort of it found its way onto Twitter and it wasn't yeah. even something I followed, it was somebody that had liked somebody else's post and I'd sort of seen it by accident, so uh, which was uh, a bit disheartening. Yeah, it was at the um the big convention, wasn't it, in London that hadn't he said something on the Saturday afternoon that, oh yeah, by the way, watch me, I'm literally within an hour for it, yes. <laughs> I was really lucky then because I was at that convention but I didn't hear anything. Um, he didn't say it on stage if he said that. He must have said it kind of one-on-one or to, or to a smaller group. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, um, and I didn't get tickets to see the big, the big group 
um, the big group showing of it after the convention or anything either because uh, I was going to meet some friends for dinner. So um, I didn't get to see it till the next evening. So I was like just completely off Twitter for uh, for yeah like a day and a half or something till like, till I finally got to see it. Um, and then yeah, the, the Tom Baker bit, I um, I got a real lump in my throat. I thought it was it was absolutely fantastic. Loved it. There's a rather good uh, video on YouTube of people's reactions. It's like a compilation of reactions of like people sort of like filming themselves seeing it for the first time, and when they all sort of uh, hear his voice for the first time, you see the emotion in people's faces when they realise who he did. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of people seem to thought he was think it was um, Capaldi. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. until his face actually appeared, they all realised it was Tom Baker. Ah, oh, right. I didn't get. I wouldn't have got that. The um... you think his voice was so distinctive would be. Uh, uh, unmistakable, but uh, I suppose for newer fans, it might have not been quite so obvious. True. True. So the probably the other big new um, uh, feature we've got on this one is the segment of Robin Hood. <laughs> segment being the thing, it's, uh, I didn't realise it wasn't going to be a complete episode. It's just like the surviving fragments. It's about eight minutes, isn't it? No, I, I thought um, I thought it was a full episode. Painfully unfunny under a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I could have sworn when they announced this with the press release, they said it was the only surviving episode of, of it. Again, like, I don't realise it was going to be like just clips of the episode. I thought it existed in its entirety. I, I mean, to be honest, I had that impression as well, but obviously not. But maybe you wouldn't have these things can survive in tiny little fragments unless it's just, it does exist, but it's just deteriorated so much. These are the only bits that are watchable. Yeah, because it's some of the oldest surviving British TV drama as well. Not only like the oldest Trout and stuff, but um, but just about the oldest surviving uh, footage we've got. I was really struck by how different Troughton looked. Um, it's only sort of about ten years, isn't it, before he's the Doctor? But he's um, kind of very lean and handsome in this. I mean, he must have been good looking to have had all these uh, wives and mistresses. I mean, I think <laughs> oh, you underestimate yeah. how attractive he must have been. <laughs> famous for leading uh, those double lives, wasn't he? But a totally different sort of leading man uh, performance as well, isn't it, to, um, to to how he'd later play the Doctor? Yeah, but, I mean, as it says in the, um, the script-to-screen documentary, he was virtually one of the first big stars of television because... Mm. He wasn't a great fan of performing on stage, was he? And he really found his niche in uh, television. And, you know, it shows some of the things that he'd appeared on. I'd never seen him, like, full bearded, like, uh, in some of the clips that he shows. Obviously, the only thing I'd seen him with a full beard on is uh, when he appeared in the Box of Delights, which was, like, you know, shortly before he died back in the... Oh, massive beard. Those days, yeah, huge... But I think uh, television was frowned upon by actors in those days. It was sort of like uh, dismissed as sort of like uh, vulgar. Like theatre was the thing and movies if you had to, whereas uh, television was like definitely the, the poor relation. So he must have been very sort of like unprecious about his career to have de- uh, dedicated himself to television. And obviously, you know, if other actors are that snobbish about it, then, you know, you're always going to get hired and you're always going to be in work, aren't you? Whereas, like, if you're picky um, about doing television and you only want to do the stage, then you're competing against, like, at that time, a lot more actors all competing for the same roles on stage. 
And, so, and his famous quote was always, uh, he didn't like the stage because he disliked shouting in the evenings. It's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. And his son's later said he got terrible stage fright as well, so it makes you wonder if it was a bit of bravado to hide from them. Which is quite bizarre, really, because you think about how television was done back then, and it was effectively filmed as live theatre, wasn't it? Certainly oh, entirely, in the yeah. 50s and into the early 60s, so it's weird that he got... Was it stage fright in front of an audience, and then he was okay with just other actors and a production crew around him? You know, um, that, that's quite interesting, that. Mm. I think you can still tell with, with Power of the Daleks, can't you? There's a couple of times when he stumbles over his lines that they obviously didn't have the, the time to reshoot. Uh, I think it was in, in, in about time um, I was reading. I think it was about time. It might have been the, the complete history. Um, that there's a bit that where, and I think they left it in where he's sat in a chair, a small chair, and when he stands up, this chair comes up with him. <laughs> and so he walks away with it a little bit, and um, they left it in because they didn't have time uh, to redo it. Um, which obviously, it, it's you know, if it's not in the telesnaps, I guess, and, and they haven't animated it, but it's. Um, I don't know if it's just somebody that can remember seeing that or whether it's sort of anecdotal from, from the people that worked on it. I now demand to see that scene animated and put on as an Easter egg on yeah. the next special edition <laughs> release of Power of the Daleks. Definitely, when we get the season four box set, we'll be scouring it for <laughs> Easter special eggs. Edition. <laughs> can we just say, though, how good do the Daleks look animated? Oh, they're brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, the design yeah. film is, aren't they? Perfect. Beautiful. And they're more sinister, I think, because their movements seem that much more deliberate than than the props do, um, which, which you know, can be a bit more sort of jerky and imprecise. There's something about the way they move so smoothly, I think, in the animations that, that makes them a bit creepier. And when they're on mass, there's certainly a lot less cardboard cutout, aren't they? Yeah. Because um, it just makes me wonder how impressive those later episodes are, because they sound brilliant and they look good in animation, but those cardboard cutouts really do look like cardboard cutouts. <laughs> those tellies were bad in those days, but I don't think they were that terrible. So uh, they must, it must have been pretty obvious to the audience at the time that they were not proper dolls. Well, it was the thing I didn't realise as well, and I think this is on the commentary, because you only see the still, the still images of it, don't you, from the telesnaps and things. Um, but there, there were people behind them moving them slightly, like, the, you know, the Daleks are always sort of, like, twitching. Oh, Mike Lee Bright with them on bits of uh, uh, nylon, like, jerking them around a bit, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I'd never realised that they, they were actually moving, so that, that might have um, helped to sell the illusion. Um, and also, the, the TV sets were tiny as well in those days, weren't they? So uh, you, you might have had to look much more closely to see that they were cardboard cutouts in those days. <laughs> I think we'll convince ourselves of that, but I bet it's <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I think the the Daleks and the, the TARDIS console are the two things that look absolutely fantastic animated. Um, but it's, you know, just kind of the uh, geometric shapes and things like that looks, looks like they're better than people. Um, but I think it's because we've recently had the announcement of the Daleks animated series, haven't we? It's going to be on YouTube. Um, so I think that's um, you know, it's a savvy move when you see how well that the Daleks are animated and how good they look. Yeah, and that's going to take a real like, um, isn't it? Inspiration from like the the TV twenty one strips with the 
the the way the Daleks are with the golden emperor yeah, and the big dome and yeah. stuff. That, that looks as if it's going to be really good. Because yeah, they're all written by David Whittaker as well, weren't they? Same as Power of the Daleks. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, but credited to Terry Nation because he was always one to uh, take the credit and yeah. the money. <laughs> Um, and all those. Is this um, related to Time Lord Victorious thing? Or is this a separate thing? No, it's part of part of Time Lord Victorious. Yeah. It is right. I wonder if And the those comic strips are going to be reprinted by Doctor Who magazine soon. They're um, they are going to put them out as a book. Oh, cool! So, it's not uh, the first time that they've reprinted them. I think they've reprinted them about several times, haven't they? Yeah, the but, manuals too, because I've got some some manuals with those reprinted them. I used to be fascinated by those as a kid. I couldn't believe there's this whole universe where the Daleks like existed without the Doctor. Yeah, I've got a couple of um, those 70s Dalek annuals as well. Mm. Yeah, and the strips are in those, aren't they, along with mm. the, um, like the, the written short stories as well. Yeah, because those short stories have been, uh, they come out on audiobooks, and there's been a couple of volumes of those um, that have come out. There was... Uh, Blockade and, and I can't remember what the other one was called. Dalek Attack, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're really cool. Those. It's the uh, anti Dalek force, isn't it? ADF. With your namesake, Mark 7. Mark 7, yeah, who's, uh, <laughs> who's in that new um, Tenant series that's just been um, the Big Finish series uh, with David Tennant's just been announced, uh, which is sort of um, Terry Nation cinematic universe, isn't it? They're, they're bringing back the, uh, the mechanoids and the. Uh, Slither and all these, uh, all these kind of um, Terry Nation pre-Time War Dalek stuff that uh, the Tenth Doctor's getting. Big Finish really has taken advantage of uh, lockdown, hasn't it? They've got Eccles to add a lot of tenants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have nothing else to do, really. That's it. Obviously, Capaldi and uh, Smith don't have a good enough Wi-Fi connection to join. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got a soundproof uh, closet or anything they can uh, they can record in. Are we uh, talking about the uh, famous Alan Wicker documentary as well? Um, yeah, or spooking it, for beginners. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, he's got a fag in the hand. The only one who doesn't smoke is uh, Wicker himself. It's Alan Wicker, yeah. yeah. And do you not know, think it's bizarre they don't put sort of like little captions on who the hell's talking? I know. I found that that was at points. It's very hard to like. Like, who is this person? Why yeah. is that? <laughs> Even on the narration, they sometimes didn't tell you who he was. They just oh. kind of like, as he was going along, he just like started talking to somebody else. He's like, he didn't even say like what the guy was who run the pawn shop stroke comic book store. <laughs> so they, they were like incredibly famous at the time, and you didn't have to ask, or they just didn't think it was necessary. But it was very odd that. Yeah. yeah, and very weird camera angles at times as well, weren't there? And it was incredibly snooty about the subject matter as well, which is uh, <laughs> you forget how sort of like the disdain for horror people had in, um, in the general media, and I thought, yeah, he was sort of like it gave the impression he was slumming it rather on the topic. Where had I seen some of those clips before? Were they on Thirty Years in the Tardis or something like that? The bit with yeah. Nation and um, the Daleks chasing appear quite a lot. Right. Yeah, I think that's where the first um, kind of like fans probably would have seen them if they hadn't seen that documentary and original broadcast. But then I think they've they've also showed those clips in some other DVD extras as well. I think they might be in. Um, is it the Ian Levine Genesis of the Daleks documentary? I think they might be in there as well. I think right. at some point. Plus, they've been using that those marvelous documentaries that uh, they're on YouTube now. Is it? Uh, 
Daleks 1963 to 89. They've done like oh, uh, yeah, they've, they've like analysed how those Daleks were some stage play and one was painted red because it was intended to go into the TV show and things like that. So uh, they featured a lot in that. Yeah, the level of investigation work those guys have gone. Is it Gavin John, isn't it, who runs that um, YouTube website? They are astounding, aren't they? They're hypnotic in the detail. It's like geek heaven. It is marvellous. Oh, I know, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good stuff. If um, like your your listeners want to check those out, definitely. I'll put a link in the show notes to those. They're excellent. Is it Terry Nation Army? Is that what they're called? Yeah, which is a nice pun as well. But yeah, just hypnotised by all the smoking that was going on. And have anybody watching that uh, thing with David Tennant at the moment? That uh, Des. I've recorded it. I'm not watching it the is first absolutely superb. But dear God, it's like sitting in the 80s, and nobody doesn't have a bag in their hand. You think times really have changed? I saw something on Twitter about this. People have been complaining to um, to ITV about all the smoking in it, but but not the murders, not the serial killing. <laughs> yeah. <he's> just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not, just, not the stuff the bodies them. in the drains yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> just on a side note, Tennant is absolutely superb and it is really good. Cool, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I've got that recorded and uh, I've got that to watch as well. About the banality of evil, it's uh, it's an astonishing performance. Very good. Which leads us to the Daleks again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Daleks, the early years, which I've still got on video. Yeah, so have I. Yeah, that's one of the um, one of the few VHSs I actually kept before I got rid of the, most of them. Contain the episodes themselves. It's, I suppose you still were wanting to keep it, right? Yeah, I was just the 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 rare VHSs I kept were either ones where I thought it was unique material that I don't think we'd ever see released properly. So well, I've got like the years tapes, uh, stuff like the Silver Nemesis. Um, on video because I don't think that documentary that's on there is ever going to get a clearance to come out because nobody seems to know who owns the rights to it. And then they did some special tin box sets as well, and I just thought, well, I'll keep those just for the fact that they're in the like nice tin box sets as well. So, yeah, I've still got a few VHS releases, but most of the rest I, I sold off on eBay <clears throat> back in the day. Ooh. No, I we between them on your own channel. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did the same but I got rid of all my VHSs um, so I, I've been quite anxious up until now that I'd never see the Daleks the early years and again so I'm, I'm pleased that I've now now got that but uh, yeah the Silver Nemesis documentary that's um, that's a, a big loss um, when I was a kid I used to watch that over and over again just worth it for seeing David Banks like menacing people with a coat hanger isn't it yeah <laughs> I have to say, Peter Davis looks incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I think that was at the stage of these like thing where he, he was trying to distance himself a bit from Doctor Who, wasn't he? Um, didn't he get into trouble because he appeared in an, another video or something where he kind of like said, "But well, you know, Doctor Who was all right, you know, but it was a bit crap." And then when that got a, a release out on VHS, like the fans like went for him. I knew nothing about it. No, I didn't either. Yeah, I think it was a Bill Bags or a, um, a, like, unofficial video, like Doctors. It was done around the same time as the 30th anniversary. 
Um, right. You know, and so it was done as like, and he interviewed quite a lot of people involved. Make, in make it yeah, and um, yeah, he just got a bit of flack for his comments. And he wasn't saying the show was crap, he was just kind of like saying some of the production values were a bit crap. But it's like the thing when he said the whole thing about Jodie Whittaker when she got the, the role, like, oh, well, it's a shame boys haven't got a male role model who's not a violent, you know, fights with his fist kind of person anymore. And then that blew up on Twitter, and then he took himself on Twitter. So sometimes he doesn't have good luck with how he sometimes phrases stuff. Mm. Mark and I were sitting in an audience at Carlisle Comic Con when excruciatingly somebody brought that up, and uh, it was an awkward uh, couple of minutes. <laughs> oh, they dealt did. with here. Yeah. Very much oh, right was. To yeah. It. yeah. Oh, that's not good. No. no. Then sort of the same bloke started rambling about uh, Anthony Anderley got very strange, didn't it? So yeah, he politely sort of like just segwayed onto somebody else. Ah, oh, the joys of fandom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had that video you're talking about, though, Jason. It had sort of a blue logo, didn't it? And a, and a, a hardback book came out at the same time. Sort of yeah, and it was a very bad photoshopped cover where they kind of like just cut out the doctor's heads and yeah. kind of like stuck them against the star field, hadn't they? Yeah. <laughs> if I seem to remember rightly. Yeah, and it had Brian Blessed, didn't it? Um, I, I think, as I remember it, recalling the opening of Doctor Who, the Unearthly Child, completely wrongly. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he talks about the policeman coming out of the police box, doesn't he? And yeah. I was it as a kid and going, that he's thinking of Dixon of Doc Green or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that passed me by. Miss Affenbarg. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube. If, if you yeah. Google, I think it was called The Doctors. Mm, I think it was. Oh, I, yes, I know. Yeah. Yes, no, I never saw that. Dash 30 Years or something it was called. Because obviously they couldn't use the word Doctor Who or TARDIS or Daleks or anything because of BBC copyright, so they kind of like skirted around it. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah. I can survive without it. <laughs> You've lived 25 years without it. So. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got Newsnights, Blue Peter. Yeah, this, not this morning, Britain did. God, how long ago am I talking? The yeah, morning show. Yeah, I thought because the Blue Peter clip, it, it sets up a design a monster competition and says um, that they're going to have Patrick Troughton there the, the next week to judge it, but they don't have that episode, do they? I was I've hoping... seen the thing where they've actually got the uh, the winners in the studio, but Patrick Troughton's not there either, so I think he was just... But I've seen photographs of him like doing the judging, dressed in costume, so when they just didn't film that bit. Right, yeah. He was a bit shy about these things, wasn't he? Or perhaps was that episode just jumps, you know, mm. because of the, the, the missed episodes of Blue Peter as well as, like, uh, other 60 shows, isn't that? I didn't know that. I thought Billy Baxter, like, insisted everything got kept. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm... No, you made it right. I genuinely don't know. That's what I've always assumed. Yeah. I know she was quite stringent about, like, obviously trying to keep stuff, but I think she was more kind of, like, keeping the film stuff that they'd done, you know, when they go abroad and all that kind of thing. Oh, that, I see. That's what I thought some... Like, Blue Peter was still, you know, the odd one or two were still gone. Oh, maybe. Wasn't it? I I'm, assume they'd take them over. I might be misremembering this as well. Wasn't it Blue Peter that lost Power of the Daleks? Or am I thinking of it? Uh, no, uh, a bit of um, uh, Master Plan. Master Plan, was it, right? The episode where uh, Katarina gets killed, they took that from the whole episode and that disappeared. Right. Um, yeah. Bit of the 
Planet Planet Part 4 disappear as well after they borrowed it to take the clip from of the regeneration out of it. They'll probably find them in Billy Baxter's attic. Let's hope so. Is she still with her? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'd be surprised if she is. She looked about 100 when I was seven, so I mean, she's been knocking on a bit. It's all the smoking they did back then. Oh, I know. Supposed to do animations with missing Blue Peters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see John Noakes do a jig, but then we'll get for uh, budgetary reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Cut out the section with a rough and tumble machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a, another case of that, wasn't it? I mean, it's like, how hard is it to just animate something and just keep it in? Just cut to a picture of a tumble drive. Yeah. Plus, everybody was really annoyed that, uh, well, I say everybody, people of my persuasion were annoyed that we didn't get to see Shirtless Ben either, which I featured in the actual episode. Which cut out <laughs> <a bit. laughs> uh, no, I actually think she's still alive. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't seem to think that she's uh, she's passed away anyway. So oh. have to wait until uh, she's gone and they sell off her sticker. Yeah, see whether she's been hoarding these missing episodes. Yeah, see if she's got an archive like John Nathan Turner had in his mm. uh, in his storage. Which was very sad because that was supposed to be his pension blessing, and he never got to spend it. Mm. True, true. But he, he he was he turned out to be quite a hoarder, didn't he, with the stuff that he kept. Yeah, and because uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the, the sort of deleted scenes and things have, have come from his estate as well, I think, haven't they? Yeah, well, that's how we got the uh, extended version of Ghostlight, isn't it? Because mm. those scenes were thought to be gone, but they were in his archive, weren't they? Ooh. Any other ones like that model making? Oh no, the photo geometry—is it sort of photo geometry where they're just like took. Images from the thing, and they just sort of like were made 3D and moved strangely. I, I couldn't quite see what the point of that was. I just written uh, under that. I just written weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I when I first read the description in the booklet, and I thought, oh right, okay, because I know sometimes there's some fans have done um, kind of like CG versions of the telly snaps where they've managed to animate them slightly. Mm. And I thought we were going to get like little scenes done, like kind of like in that style, with a bit more movement in them. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a bit bizarre. It's just here's some photos of the sets, and they look slightly three dimensional, and they move weirdly. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's kind of maybe sort of early days for the technology, and uh, something they can do more of for future animations. Or possibly padding out the disc. Yeah. So, did we like this? Did we think it was necessary, this newer version? I think you read the um, you read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, it was it was very rushed, wasn't it? It was the original one that they, they said they needed about 10 months and they ended up with about five months to do it because they wanted to hit the 50th anniversary of the original broadcast of Power of the Daleks. I think... I definitely think it's been worth it for the extras. I mean, I love extras mm. anyway. I can watch those to the uh, end yeah, of the, the new... Just having new stuff is always great. 
Yeah, the new documentaries are really good. The, from script to screen is, is is really good. That goes into detail, doesn't it? Um, you know, and Toby Hadoki's a great like host. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you say, I think for the animation now that you kind of like know that there's they've kind of like changed quite a lot of it. And like you say, I, I probably will stick to the one that I've got in the steel book because, like you say, you got trying to check trousers and you know i didn't feel anything was wrong with that in the first place well the thing is that there's just a move now to get rid of the check trousers and the hanky isn't there because uh, the recent animations clued a few of the deep just don't feature it must make it so much easier for them to do because i think if he's got the hanky in place particularly they can't reverse the uh, the same pictures can they and reuse them ah, like danger yes, mouse yeah. like danger mouse patch you've got to uh, always like redraw it so if you've got no uh, checks and you've got no hanky you can just sort of like reverse the image ah so it's done for a cost like reason yeah yeah so i wondered if like changing it was to sort of like make it um like have sort of like a, a universal animated image but then you've got his um vulcan badge anyway so that would work anyway but uh, mm-hmm. examiner's badge rather. yeah do you think you guys would let somebody into work if they just had a badge <laughs> well, I suppose in theory I do quite a lot because we have sort of like healthcare professionals turn up. They have like a badge with a photograph on, but I've got no sort of like uh, guarantee they're bona fide. Especially this day and age, we can sort of unmock anything together. So I suppose in effect we do. Yeah, whether we will let them go everywhere is another matter. <laughs> well, if the if the if their past said um, allowed everywhere, you'd have to. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say I'll only let somebody in with a badge if they're wearing a stovepipe hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, quite, yeah. You tend to be better dressed these people are so. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Ben and Polly uh, get changed into the sort of the regulation colony uh, gear, don't they? Um, but uh, the, the doctor doesn't uh, doesn't bother with that as usual. Their colony gear is remarkably similar to what they have to wear on uh, the Macrotera as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they had a job lot of Bermuda shorts that week. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think it's kind of, um, I thought about this time watching it, is, is why the rebels are rebelling on the colony? It doesn't seem like it's it's particularly oppressively run or anything. They're not. Oh, the governor seems quite a nice chap, really, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like you know he's he's sort of running it badly or or anything like that. You know, what, was it just? Did they just want power for the sake of it? You know, like like the master or Boris Johnson, or did they have a, a real <laughs> grievance? <laughs> kind of watch well, it this I, time. Didn't really pick yeah, anything up. That is a plot hole, really. There's yeah, no real reason for to be doing it. You don't really see any kind of like oppression or anything like that, do you? Or any like controlling, you know, of the population. So it does seem as if that bit was slightly underwritten by David Whitaker, which is a bit of a surprise, really, because he, he was quite detailed in his uh, his other scripts. Then it was rewritten by Dennis Spooner, so maybe he sort of like wrote over some of the detail or not. We don't know, but uh, the only thing we really know is that uh, they, they promised letters and more money, don't they? So. Uh, whether the governor's a bit mean, but with no evidence for that. Yeah, because a lot of the character work, I think, is, is really good, isn't it? I think Lesterson in particular, um, he's such a great character, you know, going from the, uh, you know, the scientist who's just 
arrogant and driven to complete mental breakdown, basically, doesn't it? Yeah, in in the way that you get in sort of early Doctor Who, like in the Silurians, don't you get the guy um, having that kind of basic, that kind of uh, nervous breakdown as well, and then you don't get it in in, in much past that. But they they don't shy away from it in some of the early ones, do they? No, I think the last time you kind of like got that kind of a character breakdown was probably uh, Simon Ruse's character in Kinder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was forgetting about him, yeah. But yeah, it's quite powerful when um, when you get that, because that was another part that they reanimated quite heavily. I think um, was his was his breakdown, so that uh, you know he just moved a bit more, and it was a it was a little bit more of a performance in it. Well, uh, going back to the special features, the existing footage, there was some little clips in there that I hadn't even seen before. Um, you know, and some of those are Lesterson. You know, seems to be like starting his breakdown as he kind of like, you know, kind of like realizes what what's happening with the Daleks and the, you know, them slowly taking control. Yeah, um, they literally found a few frames, haven't they, from a few like, uh, literally like four or five frames from uh, various episodes. I yeah, can't found them up. It's uh, they're sort of linked together and put on a loop, aren't they? So you get more of an impression about what they're doing, but it's. Uh, Strange when you're watching the reconstruction, uh, reconstruction they appear, and literally they uh, what appears to be like a still pictures. They suddenly move just for like like half a second, and then they mm-hmm. uh, freeze again. Yeah, but I mean, it kind of like brings us hope that if these are still found after all this time, perhaps like, you know, the episode might eventually be found at some point. Definitely. I think the thing I hadn't realised until, um, and I think it might have been the, the new script-to-screen documentary, is that... The, the sort of the incubator kind of globe that's got the Dalek creatures in is a Dalek. It's like a Dalek skirt and base with that sort of incubator yeah, it's got, on you know, top. the spots on hemispheres and things. No, I hadn't realised that until the point it did up. Yeah, which is, uh, which is really cool. Like. I don't know. Yeah, whether they, yeah, so they, they just had the base just lying around and... Uh, Pregnancy of the Daleks. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, quite yes. quite a cool idea that they have sort of custom that the Daleks themselves would make make custom things like that. You know, like the special weapons Dalek, I suppose. Yeah, well, I mean, the glass Dalek that we eventually got in Revelation wasn't that an idea mm. from an early Terry Nation or David Whitaker idea? Doesn't that turn up in an? It's in the novel. It was in the. It is, yeah, I think it was in the script and it was too expensive, but they put it in the novel, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Whose idea it was, it's always a bit of a moot point, isn't it? But, mm-hmm. but the actual original story was very different because maybe a whole third race of aliens was supposed to turn up who was meant to be the uh, people who had caused the conflict in the first place. And they, they were totally written out. So the original Terry Nation script is very different to what appeared on screen. Ah, right. Oh, I didn't realise that. I think basically, Nation got very lucky. Hmm. Sort of like had a very good script editor and very good designer. So... Uh, Amazing yeah. tune for him. And as he says himself in the Alan Wicker thing, he, he took the money and flied like a thief, didn't he? Yeah. You know? Between drags and a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge house he's got, but incredibly gloomy looking. <laughs> it looks like a really uncomfortable place to live, even though it looked huge. He probably didn't have central eating in those days either. I still don't. Anyway. <laughs> I can't afford the wall space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you've got good insulation though if uh, if all the walls are covered in uh, in target box and new adventures oh exactly yeah <laughs> I've seen the walls of the, of the video so I've got like a layer upon layer there, so. <laughs> and another wall full of uh, five inch Daleks as well Oh, I'm just waiting for the whole lot to collapse and crush me one day. It's the way I'm going to go. I just know it. <laughs> Where's the worst ways to go? The end of this story is, uh, is a real bloodbath, isn't it? The, um, I'm always, every time I watch it, I'm always sort of slightly, uh, slightly surprised at how long all the kind of the, the slaughter goes on for when the Daleks are on the on the rampage because it's been a kind of a bit of a slow burn up to that point hasn't it where they're doing all the uh, you know we are your servant and they kind of ch- start to chafe against that and then they kill the odd person when they can get away with it and then it's just wholesale slaughter for that uh, for that last bit then an incredibly slow pan over all the corpses as well and apparently that actually appears in the show itself it's like all the extras just lying there dead and the camera just slowly goes over them playing mournful music. I mean, that's very grim. You won't get that now. No, it's brutal, no. isn't it? Yeah. It does go to show that sometimes, like, you know, these characters that are created, like, you know, are sometimes better understood by other people who otherwise didn't create them, you know, because mm. David Whittaker really gets the many out of the Daleks in this story, doesn't he? Rather than what nation... Um, Hadn't really done since like the first story. Yeah, I suppose. Well, Although he still thinks they run on static. Yeah. Which it kind of, sort of like disappeared, hasn't it? Yeah. So through the Hartnell era, the the stories were getting bigger and bigger, weren't they? With the uh, you know the Dalek invasion of Earth and the chase, and then the Dalek master plan. This this brings it back to quite a small. Um, like, like I suppose when they when they brought the Daleks back in the new series, when you just had the one Dalek in the in the Rob Sherman episode. Um, sometimes those stories work better than the big epics, don't they? When you've just got a small number or one Dalek, and especially when they're really sneaky like this as well. I love the uh, the sort of sneaky Daleks uh, and trying to making this sort of Faustian pacts with um, with humans. I've literally just watched Victory of the Daleks, and you can really see the influences from of power on that script. Well, see, I, I was a big fan of Victory of the Daleks. I thought that should have easily have been a two-parter. I thought it was far too condensed for one episode. But yeah, uh, Mark Gatiss said at the time he took real influence, didn't he, from Power of the Daleks? Especially the I am your soldier in yeah. doing that. Very nearly seven. And it's the, the sort of reversal as well, isn't it, where the Daleks are the ones that identify the Doctor in this. It's the Doctor identifying the Daleks in the in the victory of the Daleks as well. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, it's yeah. quite... Uh, yeah. And that's sort of um, the the use of the, the Dalek shadows as well is um, when they're on the production line and, and things like that because they've got quite a striking silhouette. Um, and it's not in Victory of the Daleks, is it? But it's at the the end of the previous episode when the Doctor gets the call from Winston oh, Churchill. Oh, the beast below, yeah. He gets the call from Churchill. And you just see the yeah. shadow of the Dalek on the wall behind. Um, I thought that's quite part of the Dalek as well. That's a much better story than people give me credit for as well. The uh, beast below, I can't understand why I guess that plaque was. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I like that one. Um, but Stephen Moffat himself uh, he's sort of dissatisfied with it doesn't he I think he said that they that where it could be yeah I think he says because there wasn't a tone meeting for that one that he he wasn't quite happy with the way it turned out 
But uh, yeah, I, I, I think Series 5 is excellent. Love it. I shall find out that I persevere. Yeah, so you're not at the end of Series 5 yet for your rewatch? Literally, I've just finished watching Victory of the Daleks, which I thought was rather good yeah. timing considering we were talking about uh, Power of the Daleks today. So Perfect That's timing. That's not the one is it yet to open, has it? Oh, afraid not. <laughs> I still don't know what the duck pond's for. I suspect foul play. Oh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... I only got two, usually I write loads, but I've only got sort of two pages for this. I think uh, mm. it's oddly for something that's been missing. We've got so familiar with it, it's um, it's sort of hard to think of anything original because something that didn't exist at all, we've now got two versions of it and uh, something we've all seen quite a lot. Yeah, it's um, like I say, it, when it was first announced, it was I found it a little bit bizarre that we, you know, Again, you don't realise it was for, actually four years ago. You think, oh, that's just been released. Why mm. are we getting a slightly tweaked version? Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of those strange things that you think they could have perhaps saved for the box set and then put the finances into one of the other stories, perhaps. Because they keep going on about how expensive the Highlanders is going to be mm. um, to animate. So, you know, I'm sure they, they could have ploughed a bit of money into uh, potential animation of that instead. If nothing else, my poor old cassettes of uh, Power of the Daleks narrated by Tom Baker is getting a bit uh, thin these days. So having a, like a, uh, a version of it now on the discs is uh, quite a nice replacement. I mean, I suppose potentially is this is quite profitable, isn't it? If they because they haven't had to animate the whole thing, and they're still getting twenty quid a pop for them. I suppose. I mean, it must have been a hell of an outlay initially. So mm. to help to amortise the, the cost of it, it's probably quite good. Knowing that we dedicated fans will probably buy it a second time just for a few extras. Well, we do like to double dip, don't yeah. we, or triple dip. I mean, I'd already bought it on Apple. Uh, no, it was a BBC store, wasn't it, originally? Mm-hmm. I'd already bought it, not bad. And I bought it on there again in colour and then lost both on that one. But, uh, so, I've bought this quite a few times now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it on DVD, and then I got it on the Blu-ray Steelbook, and then I've got it on this Blu-ray Special Edition. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I got sold off the the DVD at some point I think when I got the steel box so what's so I've still got two copies of it so we've done our bit yeah that's it it's, it's <laughs> the first one's really given me pause for thought but then because I thought I'll, I'll almost certainly end up buying it on a, a season 4 Blu-ray box set as well but I also kind of want to support the animations um, and if if this helps them to animate my 20 quid helps to animate, animate one or two frames of the Dalek master plan or something, then um, I'm happy to uh, happy to support it. Apparently, that's going to be a very difficult one to do because the huge number of characters and locations. But yeah, in a few years, we thought that um, anything more than two episodes was going to be impossible. I mean, they even mm. said it can't be done to do more than two. So who knows? That's it, and now now we get well, two a year as well. Yeah, and I remember when they said uh, when the underwater menace was recovered and. Then we waited ages for the DVD release, and they said, "No, you can't animate them. You're going to have to do with reconstructions of the episodes because it's too expensive." And you know, like, look how far we've come since then. Well, we still haven't got that animated, have we? But still, well, that's true. Yeah, I really like that story. We hope we get that soon. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do after the um, after the faceless ones, where they animated the existing episodes as well. I think BBC America likes a colour version, don't you? And they put a lot of money into it. So mm. I think that's going to be the pattern now, because the viewers from the deep, you've got a black and white and a colour one, even though there's no existing episode. So mm. they're just I think that's just the way they're doing it. Yeah. It's no, I think... So it could end up with a full... I do watch the colour one out of curiosity, but I'll always then go back to the black and white one, because obviously that's how I, I perceive... The story to yeah. Yeah. So who knows in the future? Maybe we will change our minds. But uh. yeah, do wherever the technology goes. I mean, maybe we'll end up with um, the option to watch all the existing black and white ones in colour someday. <gasps> Heresy. <laughs> Mine is something. Some folks on Twitter put on amazing um, colourised things. So yeah, maybe. I don't know how they're doing, whether they've managed to find a way of, um, they've got a program just to like, like lock onto certain things and colorize them all the same. Or they're just painstakingly painting them. I don't know how they're doing, but um, mm. it's been like somebody did like a whole bit of the sensor rights the other day. Yeah, there's some really beautiful looking work, isn't there? By people a lot cleverer than me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good, good. I will put links in the show notes to where our listeners can find you on Twitter and where we can find the Bearded Geek toy reviews. Hey. Thank you very much for listening at home. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs> cool. A bit blue Peter-ish like the FN. <laughs> <laughs>